I think God created me for a purpose. So we all wouldn't have been dark skinned. They needed to be someone with maybe with albinism to make the world so beautiful, like flowers. They we don't have only red flowers. We have pink. We have yellowish, greenish. The world beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was hers. And the, oh, it was hers. Oh, okay. Because I remember you like saying it again. <laughs> and I was at first I thought, did I just repeat? This? Oh no, the first time it was me. Oh, because then it came again. Again, I was like, because I heard the do do and I was like, okay, okay, let's do this. Okay, casual. I am your host Lerato Hande, and I'm joined by my co-host Alinafi Malonje. Hi guys, I'm Alinafe, um, and today we are being hosted by Zaluso Arts. They are based in Area 47, Sector 3, so make sure to follow them on all social media. Their handle is at Zaluso Arts everywhere, and feel free to come to their hub here in Area 47 as well. Okay, so go ahead. We should start. Okay. In September 2019, Chikondi Kanjata, a young woman from Balaka, was crowned Miss Albanism Malawi, the first to ever grace this position. The Mr. and Miss Albinism Malawi beauty pageant was launched in 2019 to help demystify dangerous myths about persons with albinism. I first met Chikondi at a workshop in February. When she walked in, I remember thinking she was so beautiful. She walked with poise and confidence. When it was time for her to speak, she spoke so eloquently about the struggles faced by women with albinism. Um, I am Kikondi Kanjata. I am the current Miss Albinism 2019. Um, I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm a student, um, a final year student at the University of Malawi, Chancellor College, and I'm studying social science, gender studies. After receiving Chikondi's letter, I felt inspired to talk to more women with albinism about body image, to Meliwa Mpepo, Pamela Juma, and Emmy Chiumia. Um, I'm Tumili Wampepo, a young woman with albinism. I work for the Association of Persons with Albinism in Malawi. Basically, we advocate for the rights of persons with albinism in the country. Oh, my name is Pamela Juma. I am a woman with albinism. I am married with two children, a boy and a girl. Okay, um, Emmy Chiumia. I'm a mother of a boy. I have a degree in human resource management. So here is Jikondi Kanjadza's letter to my body. Dear body, you are a true definition of beauty. I'm amused with what I see every time I look in the mirror. When I look in the mirror, I see this gorgeous and remarkably amazing reflection of what is my body. I love everything about you, your perfect skin that glows your curves, and all that which makes up every part of you. People have had a lot to say about you. Yes, you're different. This is why people have thought you're not perfect or good enough. I was a fool to believe that you're not perfect because of what people have said about you. For they say, 
In everything there is beauty, but not everyone sees it. It took me long enough to realize that being different does not mean you're not perfect, but it just shows how distinct and special you are. I have tried to compare you to others before. Never again will I compare you with anybody else because in doing so, I violated you. I have grown up with so little confidence about myself just because of what others thought about you as they tried to compare my body with their own. Some thought you are too light, your eyes are not strong enough, and your legs are too big. But these are some of the attributes that make you remarkable. Your complexion is gold. Your eyes are beautiful with a distinct color. And your legs are just perfect. Dearest body, I have come to accept you for what you are. You are different. Your complexion is different from everyone else's, which makes you unique and special. Your complexion shines. You brighten up moods of rooms you walk into. Every inch of you is just perfect, from head to toe. Do not let anybody try to define you in their own negative way or try to pull you down. You are a fine piece of art that no humankind can comprehend. Your curves are perfect, well-shaped. Do not let anyone tell you otherwise. Every time you pass by, you leave people talking about what a beauty you are. There are thousands of people who would kill just to have the stunning looks that you have. I love you so much and I am proud of what you have become. The many struggles that you overcame. I never thought that you would come this far, but here you are. I just want you to know that I would never let anything bad happen to you. No harm will come your way on my watch. I will never let anybody hurt you or try to change who you are. I will always protect you from any harm. No sun rays will damage your pretty skin. May you forever have that glow that you have. Love, Chikondi. It's an affirmation. That's mm -hmm. basically, that's what the whole letter is, which is really refreshing to hear. Um, I liked how that's what, that's another thing that I kind of related to as well, just as a woman, the fact that a lot of these women were talking about how they love their bodies, how they've grown to accept their bodies, but that it was a journey. You yeah. know, how in the beginning they can, they can see, and they still do see the way people look at them, the way people treat them, the way they feel when they walk into a room. But at some point they decided, this is who I am. This is my body. I have to I have to love my body because it's mine. Yeah, have you always had a positive relationship with your body? Um, I would say yeah, maybe I at first it wasn't really positive because maybe I, I really took um what people said and I thought maybe that was right, but then after some time I realized that it's my body. I just have to accept who I am. Mm. So I guess, yes, at first maybe I, I didn't have a positive relationship with my body. But then after I realized who I was, that the body was mine and there was mm. nothing I could do to change it. That's when um, I developed a positive relationship with my body. Mm. Yeah. And I think... Um Hazel mentioned it in her phone call, with my phone call with her. She talked about becoming a beacon and um, that happens when you embrace your authenticity and when you accept yourself as, as who you are and really just live in your own truth. And mm -hmm. I think Lamuti also spoke about that as well. Yeah. I've learned so much about not just persons with albinism, but women yeah. with albinism specifically and the things that they go through. And their narrative is definitely different. Um, I think when I would hear about persons with albinism in the past, it was very um, one-dimensional in the sense that 
they're grouped men and women mm. but they don't have the same issues yeah they don't have the same issues and i think um in one of the conversations i had one of the women spoke about how um with most of the cases that have been coming up it's been women and children who are targeted the mm. most yeah even you can also see uh, at the the number of atrocities, the number of cases that have been registered against persons with albinism, mm-hmm. it's women and children that are that are dropping. As in, a lot of cases are involving uh, women and children with albinism. Mm-hmm. So this is also connected maybe to the mix that the society has against such groups. And yet we don't we don't actually separate their stories, despite the fact that they have different stories. So I think that's why it was important for us to do this episode mm. um, to focus on, I guess, on both issues. I think um, one of them, I think it's Tum- Tumeliwa, in her phone call talks about how they're kind of, they're intersected. Um, so being a woman with albinism, it means uh, the women with albinism are double challenge. One, because they have albinism. Two, because they are women. Um, so the stigma that comes along with albinism, women with albinism experience the same. Uh, in addition to that, uh, women with albinism also face challenges because of their gender. For example, um, people would want to people would want to date women with albinism not solely because they want to maybe to make them their life partners, but but they want to test them how they feel when they sleep with them. And I think something that really is important, an important conversation as women, is how we perceive our bodies. Mm. And um, the general sense that I got from all of these women is that they're so happy, they're so they're so accepting of their own bodies. And um, I find that as women, we have all these standards of beauty that we we place upon ourselves, or society place, places upon us. So when you stand out, um, person with albinism, when Jigondi walked in, she stood out mm. like a sore thumb, but she was still so beautiful. Mm. And um, I can only imagine that when you stand out like that, not everybody's going to find you beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you get to a place in yourself where you still, regardless of the criticism that you might receive, you still think that you're beautiful? Mm. So, yeah, I think that's what inspired the letters to my body. and. Mm. I think, remember we had a conversation about um, the letters to my body and then you were like, we need to get more women to speak about their bodies. Yeah. We, we should all feel confident confident in our bodies and we should all love each other's bodies. But regardless of whether or not you find someone beautiful, regardless of whether or not you are attracted to someone, regardless of all those things, um, people should still be, people still entitled to respect yeah. on a base level, on a human level, regardless of how you view them, how you feel about them. So pe- persons with albinism might stand out yeah. um, and they, they do stand out. And regardless of their differences, they still deserve the human, like respect on a human level. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't have to be worrying about their lives. Mm. And that's something that, that like, the biggest problem is worrying about whether or not you can, walk around and feel safe Mm. there's something that hazel said in her in in her episode where she said that something that this letter the the letter series did for her Mm -hmm. she said that she felt like we were humanizing her um and i feel the same way about this um i think 
the persons with albinism has kind of become like it's a it's a catchphrase like people just say it um it's like a buzzword there's still people mm-hmm. behind that term there's still whole lives whole personalities whole complex realities that we don't know about and hearing like you can hear all their personalities in the mm-hmm. in the call and hearing Jugondi's personality and how she's miss albinism and she's very confident but she's still very kind of soft-spoken mm-hmm. and so I, th- I thought that was really cool just hearing all their different personalities and hearing how how their lives are i think it's interesting how um like with what you're saying about how um when you hear about it it's like a catchphrase um i tend to see obviously because of the attacks that have been going on mm. i see um all these organizations um including people with albinism which is great but i just hope that it's not like they're ticking boxes yeah and um i really enjoyed listening to their stories um pamela was talking about her children uh what makes me happy is that now i'm a mother of two a boy and a girl and um that also is uh, i'm able to show the world that despite uh, being a, a person with albinism i got married and i have beautiful children and when people look at my children they will say oh you have beautiful kids <laughs> you see yeah. so i'm happy yeah? Okay. yeah yeah and my my kids are proud of me mm. when they see me do something or i've changed my hairstyle or I've done something to my body, the way they admire me, it makes me go on with life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, sure. Emmy was talking about um, growing up and being the only only child with albinism in her family. I really thank God for my father, because even if I was born with albinism, but my father took his responsibility as a, as a father. Mm. He loved me as he loves all his children. Mm. He sent me to private school. I I, I am educated. Now I'm working just mm. because of the love of my parents. But for some, with albinism, it's different. Some that are not educated. Why? Because uh, they were grown up with their mother because their father left uh, them just because they were born with albinism. Mm. Yes. So, so do you have, um, how many siblings do you have? I have five. And okay, we 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 are we are six, and I was the second born, mm-hmm. but we lost our first born, our brother. So it's like now I'm the eldest in the family. So I have four siblings. And are are you the only person with albinism? Yes, 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 yes. I'm only the person with albinism. So how was that growing up? I never even noticed that I have a different skin color with my siblings, cause. We are growing up as one family. Mm. I never uh, observed in my family that maybe I was discriminated, whether with my parents or my siblings. No. For me, it was just okay. It was easy. It was nice, sweet growing with my family. And Chikondi talking about being this albinism and going to university. Um, it was um, a very amazing experience, I would say, um, because, you know, I think that also helped me um, build my confidence because maybe at first I really didn't think that I would be crowned and it was really exciting. <laughs> I I didn't really think that it would happen that way, but um, it was a very um, remarkable experience that I've ever had. 
and yes, I enjoyed it. I would say. Did Did you find yourself um, when you went back to school? Were people treating you differently? Did you feel like royalty? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not really. Um, yes, people treated me differently, but then it wasn't as different as as. And you really get a sense of their characters yeah. and i think that when whenever we're representing um a marginalized group we need to always include that mm. i see that with organizations as well the whole ticking boxes thing like okay we have women in this initiative there we can tick a box and of course it is important to even if you are just doing it to tick a box at least now women have been included yeah but still it's you don't want to you don't want to speak for people and you don't want to generalize people. And you, um, with, I think over the past few years, we've been hearing more and more about persons with albinism. Um, but I would really like to hear just like normal stories about like their lives. That's why it was really refreshing to hear Emmy talking about going to school and, mm. um, who is it? Uh, Pamela talking about her children and Jugondi also talking about going back to school after just like what happens in their day-to-day lives. And that's the whole, the humanizing aspect mm. that there is also this terrible dark thing that's happening and they're being killed. And one of the ways to kind of, I guess, work against that is to remind people that there are human beings, there mm. are actual lives and personalities behind, behind the name persons with albinism. Mm. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that, um, when I asked Pamela if she's received any discrimination, she um, she said no, mm. not so much nowadays. I mean, she talked about the past when she would move from one school to another, mm. but she works in a bank and she says that she gets um, paid like a woman mm. in her position mm. should. So as a woman with albinism, I haven't faced any sort of discrimination whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm given the task as the, anybody else. It's a well-paying job. I'm well-paid as a, anybody else or any woman who is uh, of my grade. Mm-hmm. So I feel that I am well taken care of. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's there's another conversation to be had about how men and women are paid. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was interesting how when you are in i would say more privileged um considering the fact that a lot of malawians live in in rural areas but when you're in a more privileged space um you are less likely to receive um receive negative comments and you're less likely to be treated differently Mm. because of being a woman with albinism yeah i actually didn't think about that yeah maybe it's the fact that She's in the city. She's working in 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 a bank, so she hasn't felt it the way maybe a woman with albinism living in the village would feel it, mm. or in um, certain peri-urban areas. But also, I was I was thinking when she said that, I wonder if it's. Do you think she's? It's gone to the point where she's normalized some of the mm. discrimination or some of the like microaggressions because sometimes it like it took me a while as a woman in general to be like wait. That thing that happened to me wasn't normal. Mm. Like, oh wait, that wasn't to realize that actually the what you think of as a normal life is not is not that. So I, that crossed my mind that maybe there maybe there's certain things that she's just gotten accustomed to because a lot of them spoke about the the looks that they get in the minibus. I think I can't remember who said it, but someone said 
people think that we are there to scare their children. Yeah, to Melua. Yeah, she said that. She said that when a child is crying in the bus, um, the mom would say, "Stop crying. Look, look at, look at her. If you keep crying, she'll She's take you. She's going to bite you. Yeah, she'll bite you. Like something like that." There's also a problem in our society in that when when you are moving around, people think that you are there to scare their kids. So if their their children are are crying, they would say, "Look at that one." She will bite you. Stop crying. So things like those. So, like, I wonder how how if it gets to a point where you just have to like normal and like personally normalize those experiences. Otherwise, if you think about them too much, it becomes overwhelming. I think so. Um, I asked all of the women how they um, if they are discriminated against in public, mm. and yeah, they all said they all. I think. Um, Emmy spoke about Emmy spoke about being called as like name called mm. and um Tumaliwa, like you said spoke about um people staring and saying all sorts of things as well mm. but they all said that they have to accept it mm. which is unfortunate yeah um, shouldn't have to yeah shouldn't have to you you see there are some people who have been they don't want to associate with people just because um, people will laugh at them, uh, name calling, and mm. the, in so doing, they choose to separate themselves from people. But for me, it's so different. Even if we, we meet, you just know, oh, this is Amy. <laughs> <laughs> even, if, even if I meet someone for the first time. Yeah. I don't mind whether I have a means or not. I'll just take him. If either he have a binism or I have, I have no abinism. Yeah. I, I just put in myself to be in the, in the same category. Yeah. I think that people need to learn to treat each other with respect. Mm-hmm. Because there's only so much that you can take as a human being. Um, you're living your life. Tumiliwa talked about being free would entail to her not receiving these comments, not receiving these stares. Hmm. If it's freedom to me, it would mean that I'm able to move freely. I'm able to interact with everyone freely. Uh, people are looking at me as me and not the body that I'm in. Because I think a lot of these things are ingrained. Yeah. In, like there's certain things I didn't, re- I, didn't, I didn't realize biases that I had for a long time. And it took constantly interacting with people different from me to realize that I thought those things unconsciously mm. um, so I think that's that's also one of the good things about the Miss Albinism pageant because if you're going to have a Miss um, I, I actually don't know if there are there women included in Miss Malawi I mean women with albinism included in Miss Malawi maybe that's why they decided to have their own because they felt mm. like we're not seeing our face on Miss Malawi we're not seeing our bodies there so we're going to have our own. So I think like the constant exposure to people that you do not see on a day-to-day basis, but also there's other things that help like legislation yes. and actual laws and actual policies that can safeguard the community. I think yeah. it's it's more the the issue of people with albinism being um, attacked. I think it's more complex than what we see. Um, there's all sorts of things going on that we don't know about. Mm. But I think it's it's important that we take the initiative to learn for ourselves. And I remember we were talking about this the other day on WhatsApp, about how um, doing all these projects, um, including people with albinism, 
has allowed us to learn more about their experiences mm. and to become um, more accustomed mm. and um, to to their experiences and I think it's important for a general listener for our listeners to do the same um, I subconsciously did that when I I made a painting a couple years ago of people with albinism and I wasn't doing it to to attract some kind of attention but I just thought that they were beautiful mm-hmm. and I wanted to um, I wanted to really depict the beauty of their skin mm-hmm. so I used the same colors in the background and when I shared this painting online I got lots of comments from around the world there was this man from Brazil who was who um, said that the painting resonated with him and then I got a message from a woman who said she showed the painting to her daughter and her daughter said to her they look just like me they are beautiful and so i think that we each have some kind of responsibility of uh, of um normalizing mm. um marginalized groups in media and in in creativity i think more so with the creative arts um i remember when we were talking to george wonomali Mm. the sign, sign language interpreter and he was telling us about the deaf community and he said um, sometimes TNM will give them those texts that say oh you've won a certain amount of talk time or a certain amount of minutes and they'll say like what am I supposed to do with this yeah. like I can't I can't use this and I didn't I'd never thought of that I'd never thought of like oh what um, how like how uh, deaf people react to like getting like messages like that like like bonuses like that they can't use them um and that was something i'd never thought of and that's the same in this episode where there were all these things and all these women's lives like going to school and not being able to read the print i and never knew about that. i didn't know that i didn't know that that was an actual challenge that you can't see the board and people are ignoring you and you're trying to tell them i can't read this i can't see the board and people just keep ignoring you all throughout primary school all throughout secondary school Oh, so I was saying that, um, so you know, persons with amnesia are short-sighted. So when I was in primary school, uh, it was either myself or my parents had to approach my teachers to tell them about my condition so that I should be assisted accordingly. But then mm-hmm. there were times that um, the teacher would seem as if he, he or she has forgotten about my condition and then he would continuously use the chalkboard and then use words like this, that, here, there. And then, you know, I'm short-sighted, but I wasn't able to see whatever the teacher was saying. was trying to mean when he was saying this, that, here, and there. So, like, usually I felt like I was out of the class. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I got so emotional. Uh, so, it, it, the condition also turned worse when I was in college, when I was uh, telling my lectures about... Uh, about my condition, they would say, but we see you moving around, meaning you're able to see it properly. Mm. So it was a problem that it affected my performance. Mm. So it is good for a student with albinism to have his or her own book without sharing with anybody, for, for him or for her to access it uh, closely to his eyes or her eyes. Because mm-hmm. this will contribute to, uh, to the achievement of that child. Like for myself, I went to Minamount uh, Girls Singer School in Zuzu. Yeah, uh, I was given a desk whereby it was only for Amy. 
no one can sit on that desk. It was on front, but the challenge was now the, for accessing the the book now because mm-hmm. of the small phones and even if our seat was front, but still I wasn't able to see properly on the board because of uh, some teachers' handwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, for my primary and my secondary school, it was so difficult for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't uh, do well in secondary and, and in primary and secondary school. But in college, because I was grown up and I was able to fight for my rights, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when so I started fighting for my rights, telling the dean that if you're not giving me the uh, right print, uh past paper during the examination, I will not speak for for that examination because mm-hmm. I'm not able to see that to to to, to access the information because the font is just because most of the uh, colleges, even in secondary school, they use is it. Um, Font twelve. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's too small for a person with abilities to access it easily. And you can imagine they'll give you uh two hours during examination, and that two hours you are you yourself you are using a small font, and it's difficult for you to access the the, the question. And mm-hmm. they're giving you the same uh time with others. So for me, I I I I I never accepted that in college. I know I'll not uh, sit for examination if you are giving me the small font. So mm-hmm. they were forced to give me large print. Sometimes they were uh, they were just ignoring it, then they'll give me the uh, small font. I'll okay. sit for that exam yeah, I'll sit for that examination, but if it's two hours elapsed, I say, hey, 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 you can you submit your past papers. I was able to them no, I'll still like them my, my paper until I finish it. So you stood your I, ground. Yes, yeah, because I told you that I need uh, a, a right print. So you decided to give me a small font. So you bear with me, I have to finish my my, my paper. Mm. This is how uh, I went through my college. Uh, so it wasn't much difficult. But for primary secondary school, it was so difficult. Because we were writing exams on, on the board. I wasn't able to see. And most of the times, I was not finishing my paper. You mm. see? Yeah, because but by, by, by then I was just a child. I didn't know that I have a right to fight for for myself. Then I was just submitting the past paper. Wow, well, I was not yeah, I was not um, through with it. Mm. So come the results, I was always uh, below fifty percent. And what ends up happening is that you end up not doing well in school. And now maybe it's hard for you to get into secondary school. It's hard mm. for you to get into university. Now if it's hard for you to get into university, it's hard for you to get a job. And now because of those small things, you not doing well in school, you now can't do well in life. Mm. And that's a whole um, obstacle mm. that has pushed you behind everyone else in the community. And I, I, didn't, I never thought of those things. Me too. And I think we think about the small things like... um what happens on a day-to-day basis, which perhaps affects your confidence, which also it's like a domino effect. Mm. But I think it is important to really consider um, the livelihoods of children with albinism. And each of these women kept on saying that I want to be a good example so that when parents of people with, when parents of children with albinism see me, they know that their children can grow up and flourish. I I make sure that I look after my body mm. so that if there's a parent who gives birth to a child with albinism, they should know that they should uh, take care of their children. 
mm. and not abandon them. They should provide for them. And uh, so I make sure that I act as a role model so that when parents see me and they give birth to a child with albinism, they should also have hope that if we take care, good care of our child with albinism, she's going to shine like Pamela. Mm-hmm. She's going to look beautiful like Pamela. So I also, I make sure that I look nice. I take care of my body so that others should be inspired. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. And I and I promise myself that I work hard so that I should achieve in my life so that people should know that even if I was born with albinism, that albinism does not make me uh, less human. No. Mm-hmm. Albinism does not make me less human. I am a human full, yes. <laughs> full human being, yes. So right. I, I, I work hard so that I should achieve something in my life. And now I'm working. I'm, uh, I'm a civil servant. Yeah, I'm a civil servant. Now I'm married, I have a child, you know, and I thought that was interesting. So they kept on going back to childhood stories and all of them spoke of how privileged they were in their families. And Mm -hmm. it just has me wondering how a child with albinism grows up if their family is not accepting of them. Mm. Um, So like there's this thing that happens in Malawi. I'm not sure if it happens throughout Southern Africa, um, I think it does actually, where um, the killings of persons with albinism goes up during elections. Yeah, I heard and about that. Yeah, it happens it happens all the time. It's a, it's, it's a trend. Every time we have elections, killings of persons with albinism go, goes up. And it's because of cultural practices and traditional beliefs. These beliefs, these myths um, that Chikondi spoke about of persons with albinism, of their bodies mm. being magical? Um, basically, most of the things that the challenges that women in southern face could be um, negative comments from people, um, as well as maybe sexual violence um, mm. because of the myths that are there. So, um, people have these myths that maybe, for example, there's a myth that goes around that um, people with when you sleep with a woman with albinism, you if you have HIV and AIDS, you'd be cured. Yeah, so I think that actually makes people to to sexually violate women with albinism. Mm. Yeah, especially in rural areas where these myths are common. And some they propose uh, to a lady with albinism because here in Malawi we have the belief that. Uh, well, whenever you sleep, you sleep with a, a lady with albinism, a woman with albinism. Mm-hmm. If you are HIV positive, you get cured once you sleep with a, mm-hmm. a lady with albinism. Yeah. So, so, so some, sorry, mm-hmm. carry on. Okay. So, so that's, that's what I was saying. Some will propose you as if they are coming in the name of love, but just for their purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do we get rid of that? It's such a, it's it's so hard because it happens throughout. African countries mm. and now just I don't even know I can relate maybe on some level how it feels like to walk around and be scared just like as, as a, woman. a woman and then now to think of not only are you a woman you're a woman with albinism and you have more things to be scared of on top of that you don't know who to trust I wonder if there's like this constant kind of state of paranoia or you, like we talked about you just have to like accept certain things how does it how do you walk around in constant in a constant state of fear and i can imagine like 
you know, as a woman, you're walking in town and perhaps you're walking by yourself or you're walking with maybe the two of us are walking mm. and um, a man is, you know, hollering at us mm. and you feel uncomfortable. You don't respond. But I can imagine that like, as a person with albinism, you don't know if they're hollering at you for being a woman mm. or because you have albinism mm. and what their intentions are. Mm. And I thought what was interesting in in um in my conversation with Emmy, she spoke about how um how she was in a relationship and um this man her his his family didn't want her to to get married to him mm. because she has albinism. Mm, so yeah. he ended up cheating on her and um he ended up being very disrespectful to her and she spoke about how this tends to happen where um women if they give birth to a child with albinism then they often their their partners leave them mm. because they think that they're cursed mm. or that god punished them i had a boyfriend and they were agreed the, uh, that we will get married mm. but uh, he didn't wait uh, as we planned because his uh, family did accept me because of abenism. Instead of um, just telling me that uh, his family doesn't own me because I have abenism, he, he, he chose to, he treated me like cheating and whatsoever. Mm. And then I gave up and moved on. But I thank God that I found another uh, man who married me, loves me so much and his family loves me so much. Mm. Yeah, so that was discrimination. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. it was a dis- yes, it was a discrimination. It was hard for me to accept it because we stayed for four years. Oh wow! But yes, but still, his family did accept uh, that he, his son should marry me. Uh, their uh, their brother shouldn't marry me. So we broke and I move on. Most of men with feminism, they have wives, mm. but uh, if you 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 research you find that uh, uh most uh most women with albinism they are not yet married and yet they have grown up but no one is proposing some they can propose but just to use their fear oh wow. just to yeah just to fulfill the, 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 their wishes just to see how a, how a lady with albinism can perform in bed wow. that this is their beliefs mm. Yeah, and you find uh, most of uh, ladies with feminism, women with feminism, they have children. But if you deep, if you go deep, you find that they're just single mothers. Someone just impregnating them off the went. Like here in Malawi, it is a, a problem too. Uh, if you have a child with feminism and uh, that mother is, has dark skin, you know, some men, they even uh, leave their wives. They wow. thought that maybe that woman cheated on them. Maybe she slept with a white a uh, white man, or mm-hmm. some they, they 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 think they have the, the belief that uh, maybe that woman or his or her family was cursed, and that is the punishment. That's why God gave him gave her a, a child with albinism. And uh, some women uh, whom have dark skin. They are single, single mothers. Why? Just because they gave uh, birth to children with albinism. So I think it's it's interesting how um, 
like you're saying, just being in public in general, you don't know what people's intentions are and um, you don't know what they can do to you. So there's that fear, that overdrive that you naturally mm. will always have, mm. which is amplified um, because not, not only are you a woman, but you have albinism. Mm. But even with the people in, in your inner circle, you know, the, the men that you trust, mm. the your friends, your female friends even, you don't know whether um, somebody genuinely appreciates you or they're with you. Apparently, some, some men would even propose just because they want to know what a woman with albinism is like in bed. Yeah. And... So you don't you don't know they can they can have all these intentions in the back of their mind but you don't know yeah so and I can imagine that puts women with albinism at risk um maybe more at risk than the rest of us for uh, for like sexual violence yeah um, on top of violence in general yeah and I think there's also that myth that Chikondo was talking about how a lot of people think that if you have sex with a woman with albinism it'll cure you of HIV um sure. So now you're at risk of sexual violence. You're also more at risk of like STIs and STDs. Mm. And, and and then you try to go to a professional, a doctor, the way that Tomilio was saying, and you you, just, you could be going for a checkup. You could be going for wh- whatever reason it is that you're going there and you have the doctor policing you and the doctor telling you that people like you should not be having sex. Yeah. Like already on a, on on the on the level of a woman. You're already policed. Your body's already constantly policed. Yeah. Being told what you can and cannot do with it. Now, as a woman with albinism, you're being told you cannot have a sex drive at all. You cannot be sexually active. And uh, so, one lady with albinism was saying that she went to access uh, sexual reproductive health services, but mm-hmm. then the medical personnel was asking questions that even herself she was she wasn't happy the way she was addressed. So she was asked, "Do you also have sexual feelings?" Mm-hmm. Uh, People like you shouldn't shouldn't be having sex. Should live a life mm. of celibacy. So just because she has albinism, she shouldn't be sexually active. Yeah, that's what people think. Maybe like let's imagine you're not even sexually active, and you decide you are going to be celibate. You are still at risk of the the violence. The people mm. saying they want to sleep with you to know what you are like. They mm. want to sleep with you to cure themselves of whatever diseases. It's and then you can't get help for that. It's like it's a cycle. Mm. And then in the event that you you are sick, it starts to like in the event that you contract these diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you're in a position from medical personnel's. It almost becomes like a blame. Yeah, like it's your game. fault. Like it's your fault because you shouldn't have been sexually active. Yeah, even if you were targeted. Yeah, or even if you weren't. Even people without albinism. Mm-hmm. Um, have sex and contract diseases mm-hmm. um, outside of sexual violence that happens. So does that mean that you shouldn't get help? Does exactly. that mean that you should be, tr- there should be a stigma? There's, there's, there should, there's, there's a way that we should get around this, but I don't know how, like how, where does it even begin? If people in like, let's say, cause um, Emmy said teachers mm-hmm. were not listening to her. Our lecturers were not listening to her. Tomelua said doctors are not listening to her. When no one listens to you, mm-hmm. who do you go to? So what advice do you have to um, younger women? Maybe 
there's a, a young girl, for example, with albinism and perhaps mm. she struggles with self-confidence. Mm. Uh, my advice is uh, what makes you different makes you beautiful. Mm. They should know that because they are different, they are beautiful. And they should know that they should love yourself, remove the denial. There's nothing that can change. If you deny yourself, it, it won't change anything. You'll still be you, a girl with albinism. Mm -hmm. So you just have to ignore that and love yourself and make beauty out of yourself. Mm. Yeah. And when I was um, when I was a young girl, now I'm 42. Mm. Yeah, in my 20s, going to 30s, there was somebody is is a, a music artist, but I've forgotten the name. He he she or he or she used to sing. What makes you different makes you beautiful. Mm. So I listened to the song and I said, Oh wow! So this is it. If I'm different, it means I'm beautiful. And I like that song. I just like the part that said, what makes you different makes you beautiful. So I'm different and I feel that because I'm different, it makes me beautiful. Definitely. Sure. Do, do you remember who the song is by? No, maybe I have to check. But it just say, what makes you different makes you beautiful. What makes you different makes you beautiful. What makes you different makes you beautiful. But I don't know who sang that song. But I, I just uh. like that part. Thank you for listening to this episode of Letters. If you like our podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow Warner Collective on all our social media platforms. Our handles are at Warner Collective on Twitter, at Warner underscore Collective on Instagram, at Warner Collective on Facebook, and Warner Collective on YouTube. Thank you for keeping up with these episodes so far. We have had so much fun making these episodes, producing these episodes, and speaking to all these women. We are going to take a two-week hiatus, and you will be seeing us again after two weeks, uh, where we will continue the Letter to My Body series. The next episode will be a letter to my body from women with disabilities. <laughs>